<laughs> Welcome to Worse Than the Borg, the Star Trek podcast for everyone. Each week, we unpack new episodes of Star Trek with Star Trek fans, new and old. We also showcase and raise funds for ne causes near and dear to us in the name of solidarity, reconciliation, and justice. I am your captain, Shane Holland, and I am here with my number one, Ron Sly. Hey, Ronnie. Good afternoon, Captain. <laughs> and Chief Engineer Ravi Joshi. What's up, Ravi? Carry on, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> we can do better. We are here to talk about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I am so excited to welcome aboard this week's special guest, Ambassador Emily Cannon. Hey, Emily. Hi. <laughs> Collectively, we are worse than the Borg. Uh, Ron, before we start things off, would you be able to lead us off with our commitment to reconciliation? Absolutely, Captain. This mission log is being recorded on Treaty 13 land, and the participants are committed to reconciliation here on Earth. We believe the United Federation of Planets would fully support the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. All tuned in Terrans are encouraged to participate in the direct action discussed later in this log. Emily, would you like to uh, add on an acknowledgement for where you are? I'm coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area, South Bay of California, uh, which is the Muwekma Ohlone tribe area land. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and welcome, everyone. So, Emily, I need to know, what is your relationship to Star Trek? Uh, I personally have been watching it my entire life, uh, starting with TNG, which was on when I was, you know, young, and I have never stopped watching. So please tell us what your experience has been like. Pretty much same as you. I My family <laughs> grew up, we were, we were a TNG family, like that summer where Picard got got sucked up by the Borg. It was like the worst <laughs> summer. We were just like desperately waiting to like find out what happened to Picard, you know? Um, I remember my mom complaining about it. She hated the Borg because they were like the worst villains. Anyway, but yeah, I, I mean, I always watched, I always watched Star Trek, although there were some that I came back to later in life. Like DS9 was one that I got bored with, first of all, and then came back to it later and it's like oh this is the best one you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. we all have that realization yeah. like oh wait this one's good i just wasn't <laughs> smart enough to understand that when i was like to be fair like most star trek shows the first few seasons are weak <laughs> it at least kind of came out there with a good punch though i mean i've i've been trying to do like a slow rewatch and i'm pretty much at the end now but yeah, all right. But and I, um, I turned my freshman roommate onto TNG. So in college, <laughs> way back, you know. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. But I have never got into original series. Sorry, uh, or or Enterprise. We talked before you started recording. Yeah, very briefly. <laughs> uh, I I have seen all of the original series many times over. Um, and I think I watched it a lot when I was a child when the conversation wasn't where it is today. Uh, and now rewatching it, it is difficult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen some of it, but I just never could watch all of it because it was just like oh it's just so uncomfortable and also William Shatner is terrible I'm sorry yeah yeah no, he <laughs> has not aged well like a fine wine unfortunately <laughs> he is not a Chateau Picard <laughs> <laughs> yes 
<laughs> uh, so, I mean, we're going to talk all about this week's episode. I don't have a lot of Trek news, except that I heard that, unfortunately, Paramount officially pulled the plug on the only Star Trek film that was in development. Uh, oh. Noah Noah Hawley, uh, who was going to direct oh, it, that's right. told he told Deadline that the new Paramount boss sees Star Trek going in a different direction. So... I guess that means uh, they are loving the success of having multiple TV franchises because it is so lucrative to them right now. And obviously movies aren't happening in theaters for at least the next year, the way they have been. I guess it makes sense, but it's so disappointing that we're not going to get more Star Trek on the big screen where it always does so well. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. We've got so yeah. much stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, it's 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 a lot to take in. You, and I don't want start, <laughs> yes. like I love this show, but I don't want it to be my only show. Yeah. You know, like I, <laughs> I want to be able to watch some other stuff. Oh, <laughs> true. I, I, it's I, like... I gotta go on record as not a fan of the fire hose strategy. Like, I, <laughs> this is what kind of tanked the 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 TNG, uh, tanked the whole you know late '90s Star Trek. I would prefer one or two series. I think we have Ron, Ron four or five. You you you're great at keeping count. Four or five concurrent series right now. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Picard, Disco, Lower Decks, the uh... Action Thirty One. Oh. There, is, oh, they're doing the Section 31 one. There's going to be like a kid one that Jamie is going to be on that's going to be on Nickelodeon here. And, and Captain Pike, Strange New Strange World. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, I'll, I'll watch that. I mean, I'll watch them all. I don't care. <laughs> I, I also will watch them all, but I would like to watch more things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the same problem that Drag Race has. It's like well, as soon as one oh, season yeah. of Drag Race is over, the next one starts. And next year, it's literally just going to be like back to back to back to back to back Drag Races. So between that and Star Trek, I really will consume no other media in 2021 well, for some reason could i don't mind you know life could be worse in a lot of respects <laughs> you'd be stuck inside anyway you know might as well enjoy what you're watching <laughs> I, uh, lots of people in elaborate costumes that's the <laughs> yeah that's my life Colorful that's a crossover makeup. episode i'd get behind drag <laughs> race oh man i would be all over that Alaska oh Thunderfuck has famously done Counselor Deanna Troy drag, which I highly recommend everyone look up. And not only that, the person who made it famous is Jackie Cox, who was on the last season of Drag Race. So oh. go, on, go on your Instagrams, look up Jackie Cox and Alaska Thunderfuck in doing Counselor Deanna Troy drag. It is, oh you know, one of the things that gives me happiness. Uh, after this episode discussion, be sure to help support this week's direct action. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please remember to like and subscribe, write us a positive review, and most importantly, tell your Trekkie friends about us. Now, we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll return with our breakdown of the latest episode of Discovery. Are we back? We are back. <laughs> Welcome back to Worse Than the Borg. This week, we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 8, The Sanctuary. It was directed by the one, the only, Jonathan Frakes, and written by Kenneth Lynn and Robert Schultz. Ravi, can you give us a breakdown of what happened in this episode? Sure thing. And be warned, from this point on, there are major spoilers, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciations as I always do, but there are so many. Out. <laughs> oh, I edit out a lot. 
It's good to be the engineering group. <laughs> In this episode, Book receives a distress signal from his brother, Kahim. Their home planet, Quajan, is being threatened by the Emerald Chain, a crime syndicate led by Orion women, Osira. Burn-related climate change has wreaked havoc on Quajan and its harvests have been devastated by locusts. Kahim made a deal with Osira to repel the locusts in exchange for uh, trans worms, which have caused a rift between Book and Kahim. Civilizations that receive help from the Emerald Chain tend to collapse, so Discovery travels to Quajan officially to act as Federation observers, but ostensibly to prevent Osira from exploiting the planet. Kahim reveals that Osira really wants Rin, the Andorian servant Book and Burnham freed from Hanau. Kahim agrees to disobey Osira in exchange for Discovery, helping to repel the Locusts. Osira responds by launching an assault on the planetary defense shield. Detmer borrows Book's ship and successfully stops Osira from breaking the planet's defenses. Osira retreats, promising retribution. Meanwhile, Culver studies the increasingly ill Georgiou, who is experiencing blackouts, flashbacks, and genetic destabilization. And Adira comes out as non-binary to Stamets. That is our episode recap. Back to you, Shane. So much happened. You did a great job, first of all, because everything in this episode was names and places and who is saying what to whom. It was a lot. So great job, Ravi. Thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, and I want to start with the last point first, because what a great moment of representation in this episode. I loved Adira coming out to Stamets. And I love that it was handled in such a perfectly Star Trek way, in that the only person who was really struggling with it was Adira, and Stamets was just there to listen and like respond accordingly. And he changed uh, his, he changed the pronouns that he used towards them instantly. And he got his partner to do the same. Oh, I just loved it. But I would love to talk to our guest about this. What did you think, Emily? I I loved it. Um, I, I, I feel like sometimes in the like non-binary community, people can be very focused on they didn't explain all of the details. And I get that. Um, sorry, I'm kind of referring to like conversations I've seen on Slack, you know, or like no, yeah. I've seen on the internet. We were like, it could have been more detailed. They could have had more like explicit, like, please tell other people to use pronouns for me. And I think what they have established in this universe, and you know, again, it's it's so revolutionary for Star Trek to have this at all. Uh it, which is horrifying because it's like always been such a like we're revolutionary we have you know interracial kiss interracial kissing on television and everything but like we're gonna have one episode about gay people in yeah. all of it it's terrible yeah. like in the 90s like okay and, and never even mention the word gay just like you have to assume. oh yeah well and it was like <laughs> anyway i just i actually just read research papers about it for a school project. But anyway, um, I'm in grad school for library science. Uh, I should say that. <laughs> You're writing a you paper on You want to share some of this stuff. I, wrote, I would well, be I interested like in reading. Of all the conversations we were Anyway, sorry. It's totally an aside. There's, there's actually a lot of kind of academic research on like gender and queerness in Star Trek, uh, which is great and interesting. Anyway, but that's... Anyway. <laughs> I don't think it's a side topic, but that's another point. Well, it's sort of a side topic to what we were talking about with Adira. Yes. Um, so anyway, I, I think just given the whole history of everything, what they did establish was Adira and Stamets having this great relationship and Adira being really young and dealing with this thing that is really complicated, like not just 
being non-binary or whatever label they didn't actually give a label for themselves mm. you know yes, so like they just true. they said please use they them for me that's really like it's kind of similar to elliot page what we heard was queer and trans we did not hear other anyway no, that, um, that's a good point to bring up because <laughs> I am the one who put that uh, Adira came out as non-binary, but you are so I mean, right. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they just promo material said it for sure. Yes, I, I remember, Yeah, like that, that was the thing I was like waiting for this because I remember all the promo material was like, we have a non-binary character <laughs> played by a non-binary actor. And then it was just like, she, 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 she. And I'm like, what do you what? what okay is this <laughs> is this a trill thing are we like retconning what trills are what's going on i was really confused and then they finally had the scene i was like thank god finally <laughs> you admitted it you said and what it is <laughs> part of this i found was that it helped uh separate that whole like mythos that the trill is a trans representation because finally like we have someone who is dealing with their identity uh, as a, as a, a distinct a human, yes too. exactly distinct yeah. from their yeah. species having like, a yeah. worm in their chest <laughs> yeah well, exactly yeah. it's I mean, not some macguffin to kind of explain it all away it's yeah. actually laid out so that there are facets to this person that they're three-dimensional so i think yeah. that was the most exciting thing for me was yeah, that it felt like I mean, three-dimensional representation i was totally thinking about that like that that uh non-binary alien trope a little bit mm -hmm. um and whether or not it applied to adira because they're a human who's joined <laughs> but i feel mm -hmm. like those two i mean they obviously intersect as far as how it's affecting their identity um because if you had you know what how many previous lives did the uh, 11 generations 11, I think. 11 previous hosts i mean that's a lot seven that's a maybe. lot that's a if, lot i mean you all watched ds9 you remember esri like ugh, like <laughs> yeah. yeah hard time separating it all not a problem yeah <laughs> i'll hard be time. needing to do this that all was... series well actually it's six hosts there are six oh! hosts. well actually <laughs> Thank you, Robbie, for being. I never get to do that. I never get to do that. <laughs> you, you really are being chief engineer in this episode, living up to the name. Continue. I, I, you, oh, sorry. There was. I saw a Tumblr post this morning, which honestly, I'm really only on Tumblr for Star Trek memes and delivers <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, but. Uh, what I wrote it down. Um, some there was a Tumblr post this morning that said whatever disco writer saw Esri Dax, Esri Dax, and said, "Make it canon gay and T for T is a hero." <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that is brilliant. <laughs> Can I ask a question? An open-ended question. Please. Was this reveal or this way of handling it stronger or weaker given that there were uh, several episodes to build up Adira's character was this would this have been stronger or weaker from uh, mm. an equity uh, standpoint and representation standpoint if it was right off the bat in the first episode or is it stronger or weaker because they waited I think what three or four right it's, it's several, I, uh, several episodes I'm going to turn know. this to you Emily in a yeah. second as mm. for opinion but I will uh reveal that from what I've read, uh, Blue Del Barrio, uh, when the, uh, they were uh, talking to the writers about kind of how they envisioned uh, their character's experience, uh, they wanted it to reflect their own experience. Mm. Uh, so I think it was deliberate that this person would, uh, that this person wanted to uh, kind of experience being misgendered and having to uh, 
having to come out in the workplace and what that's what that's actually like that it's not something that happens all at once um so i think that was the intention of the journey but i do want to know how that feels in execution uh and i hope you don't mind emily yeah. you refer uh yourself she they those are your pronouns so i feel like uh this is you are a the person i want to speak oh, to about this uh, <laughs> i suspect there are far better representations of we are all but, uh, <laughs> so all of our I don't want to speak for anyone else's experiences <laughs> um but I I think for me it felt it definitely felt like what you were saying um the actor said they were thinking about with it um it it felt very natural because it, when we first meet Adira they're dealing with so much stuff. They're like, okay, these random ass time travelers from the Federation show up at Earth <laughs> and I'm gonna go around and mess around with their ship. And then I have to reveal that, oh, by the way, I have a Trill Symbiont. Oh, by the way, the Trill Symbiont is this guy you're looking for. Oh, by the way, I can't talk to the memories of my Trill Symbiont. <laughs> please help, please help, please help. Um, and they're like 17 or something. I mean, do you have a will actually for the, their age? I can't remember. I remember they're, they're young. It's I thought, I thought it was 17 as well. 16. Wow. Okay. Tiny baby. Tiny yeah, baby. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, it's so I, I much mean, for a like, young baby. A I sure as hell wasn't thinking about that when I was 17. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm in my late 30s, man. I just figured some of this stuff out, you know? So, like, <laughs> I, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think uh, it's very Star Trek. I'm glad that it reflects uh, Blue Del Barrio's experience, but I also feel like it's very Star Trek in the way that it addresses social issues. Is there, it's always, they're always kind of just a step ahead or trying to be of where the culture is. Um, and so I know that we've had some non-binary characters on primetime TV before, um, just a handful, but uh, for the viewership, you know, like bringing somebody along, like we got a fleshed out character, Adira Tall, like we love them just as like an interesting character for all of the things that Emily was just saying. Um, and then on top of it, we we have the kind of like message of the week, which is it's really easy not to treat non-binary people poorly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can treat exactly. people with respect uh, and still do your job. Ama amazing. What a and who knew that we were going to have Stamets as like daddy's, da like the, oh daddy's my god! Can like I just say <laughs> how much I love Stamets and Colbert as like, uh, like yeah. friendly gay dads? Yes. Oh my god, it's the cutest. And that's not normally a thing that I'm like, oh, I love this. I mean, it's cute, but it's like not like the thing that I'm, it's so cute. And it works. It really it's just, is. <laughs> Um, and because Stamets is not so friendly sometimes. No, no. this is a it's, redemption arc. Yeah. He can go from just trading barbs with Rita, who I also love, and I'm very sad was not oh, in this episode. Although yeah. this episode was overstuffed as it is, but like can't imagine. We haven't even talked about the main here. plot line yet. Give me <laughs> more Tignataro. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Give me more Tignataro though, please. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll bump it into a related thing. Yeah. So that at the beginning we have uh, Giorgio who's uh, quite ill and talking to Culver. And one of the barbs that she flings at him uh, was uh, that she would murder her ch uh, children. And yeah. he says, if I had time, I'd have children. Yeah. Um, but then we have, you know, they are acting in a parental way to this this new young person. Yeah. Um, which is which is really sweet. Also, obviously, like Culver would be a great parent, but oh yeah, yeah. Sam is oh, a yeah. questionable part. <laughs> yeah. I I appreciate.
appreciate that we're getting more actual storyline for Colbert. Like Colbert gets to have a life and do stuff other than die and come back. Yes, die that's so important. Yeah, I mean, we this series already notorious for its barrier gaze tropes, uh, the the <laughs> overusage in less than three seasons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it You're is like, nice. maxed out. You can't do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you've done enough harm. Stuff. <laughs> uh, it is great that they have turned that around, at least for these characters. Uh, I'm still really hurt about how they've treated Ian Alexander. The fact that he didn't even appear in this episode after they spent so much time talking about it in the C-plot was a little infuriating. Yeah. Uh, but they, yes, Colbert has made like a 360 from being, uh, you know, just an engine to fuel Stamets to an act, another three-dimensional character on this ship. Uh, and I really am enjoying his, uh, the daddy vibes that we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, what's going on with Giorgio? Is she well, just experiencing- She was wearing like... a weird sperm costume and costume. <laughs> that was hilarious. Was hilarious. Great line, yep. Uh, Robbie, <laughs> what, what did you think is happening well, here? I just, no, well, I just wanted to shout out one quick thing before we leave this is that oh. Jonathan Frakes has yet again been the director of a- oh, I, I actually, I'm so plot. glad you mentioned As that. As we leave the Adira thing, I just want to say uh, there must be something going on there in terms of the way he works or the way he does it because it, it's not a, it's becoming more of a pattern that he's covering things that deal with uh, gender issues a little more commonly, which you just got to give him a shout out. And I'm sure that there's yeah. a relationship there or some reason for it. But I just wanted to note it. And Jonathan Drake's, we didn't like him enough as Will Riker. I'm liking him <laughs> a lot more as a director. Just a shout out before I move on. With Giorgio, I don't know what's going on, but we can talk about that <laughs> in a moment. But I just, Jonathan Drake's, uh, shout out to you. Great job. Well, okay. I remember reading, okay, I'm going to go back to the TNG episode <laughs> I was talking about before. Yeah. The, yeah, the Outcast. Yeah. Which is so, we, we, just, we should talk about it because it was the last time they had like pretty explicitly like yeah. the genderless species, the Janai. It's a terrible episode. Just oh, if you haven't yeah. seen it, I'm it's everybody rough. I'm here. It's, it's, it's bad, but like it's fascinating bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Can, can you just, can you share a little oh, bit yeah. more about that? Why yes. is it bad? Because it, it it was actually pretty provocative in its time, and I think a lot of it people was, look at that. It was provocative for its time, but it was also just a failure. <laughs> it was really <laughs> awkward, especially in retrospect. But okay, so I, I'll give a quick summary for anyone who hasn't seen this yes. episode. Please. I, I, why are you not watching Star Trek The Next Generation? It's a classic. <laughs> um, anyway, it's delightful. You get to see this guy do this all the time. Um, <clears throat> Okay, so they encounter the the Enterprise family, and uh, encounters this genderless species, uh, and Riker befriends one of the the members of this civilization as they're fixing engines or something, and this this person reveals to him that she believes she is female, and she's asking a lot of questions about gender differences, and something that has increasingly bothered me in Star Trek is just, you know. The enforcement of gender binaries, not just among humans, but everyone, it's like, really, why? Why are aliens all binary and why do they, anyway, mm, you know, very, whatever. Very yeah. concerning. <laughs> why, why? I guess that's kind of a big why question for your, for your <laughs> <laughs> I we'll might go there. beyond <laughs> the scope of this. Anyway, um, yeah, so they, so they sort of do that Star Trek thing of like immediately falling in love and like wanting to run away, run away together kind of a thing, which also bothers me. But anyway, we're not Riker talking about has TNA to get laid in an episode somehow. 
Most like every other at least. Does you know? he? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't need to, but they have to do it contractually. It's for the beard, you know. It's for the beard. He has to do it. It's just, um, yeah. So. <laughs> That sounds like a weird illusion. It was not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he goes and falls in love with Soren, and she, of course, immediately gets discovered by her civilization, and and they put her on like a little trial type thing, and she gives this speech about. I watched this speech again recently for my class project, <laughs> but she gives this little speech about how like you know gender is real. She is who she is. Like. Blah, you blah, can't blah. enforce anything yeah. on me because it is yeah. who I am, basically. Like, yeah. yeah, just accept who I am. I don't understand. Like, this is and... just who I, I was born this way. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And Riker's like, no, you can come on the Enterprise with us. Just we'll take you with us. And <laughs> and they, you know, put her through some kind of, like, rapid, you know, conversion therapy situation. And she's like, no, I'm fine now. And it's really horrifying. And I've read, like, the Memory Alpha article about this because I'm, I'm <laughs> if you're, you're talking a deep about levels, diver like I am, yeah. I will go read the Memory Alpha article. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I've yet to pull out my Star Trek encyclopedia. So ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't have a physical book. I really, I should. We had one when I was a kid. We had like one of the companion books. But anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, yeah. So I went. I went and read that article. Read the Memory Alpha article on there, and there was a bit in there about. How, first of all, Jonathan Frakes was disappointed that they chose to cast this species as all, um, you know, like they were, all, they used all actresses um, to portray this this genderless society that they still kind of read as feminine, female, so that he was making out with someone who looked very female, and he, I think that I swear to God, it was Jonathan Frakes saying like that was kind of like not the greatest move, like you could have gone a lot further and yeah he was basically <laughs> saying it was meant to be a guy guys yeah. i was no, supposed I, to be making out with someone i think that he, pushed he has that. strong he pushed yeah like really if like yeah if, I, if, I i do think that there is a aspect been fan, it. it would have been amazing but, is uh, our friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah just saying right, i think that kind of does go way back sorry that was a very long tangent no that was perfect because <laughs> i mean i feel like that episode really ties into uh how the conversation has progressed i feel like yeah. that and that early trill episode on tng it was the oh yeah of mm. which again i and i believe we talked about this before and i and i watched it recently it's not great it is like really bad representation yeah. but at the same time at the time that was a lot like mm -hmm. that is how far that this show has come is that they they were the first to like even not maybe not the first but they were like trying to tackle the idea in a tacky way uh and now here we are 30 yeah. odd years later and you know they're finally succeeding in moving the conversation forward and showing that hope that they claim to represent i think yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, they've I done they a good job. They were kind of forced into doing it. They were, they got like, there was like a fan campaign that was like, why don't you have at least one gay character on TNG? And they were like, fine, we'll give you one episode where bad things happen to them. And <laughs> yeah. And now we are on the discovery where there isn't a single straight white male to be seen. So. <laughs> I know. I know. It's That's actually what their five year quest is, is to find a straight white male. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the whole day of MC was like, what, a minute and a half? And we've been talking about it for 15. So, <laughs> so like, hopefully, like other people are having this experience and, you know, starting to question their own relationship with, uh, you know, how they are enforcing. Um, 
the binary on people that they might yeah. not even know, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, Stamets showed a good way to respond, which is NBD. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. No yeah. big deal. Love mm -hmm. it. Should we talk about the main plot point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things happen oh, yeah. in this episode. Uh, you know, we yeah. finally discover who the big bad villain is of this year, seemingly, in Osira, who Maybe. A, is gorgeous, uh, and B is so fascinating. Like what a cool character. Does not give a single fuck. Just sends her nephew to be devoured by a transform, transform in the opening scene. I love Osira. What do we all think? Emily, you first. I I feel like I kind of missed the boat on like the whole Orion everything because I am never I never got into original series because oh right they were, yeah. they were much more TOS aliens right TOS and yeah. Enterprise yeah and I just the two so you're I not had, familiar with yeah <laughs> well I mean yeah I mean I've watched a little but it was just kind of like those are the ones I didn't get into so I think mm. my connection to those particular aliens is very limited um I don't know so she's kind of read like you know villain to me and like <laughs> a lot of those battle sequences felt very Star Warsy. Oh, there's a lot that of these that feel very Star Wars. Yeah, it was a hundred percent. That yeah, that I mean, the, sh the ship later. looking like the Millennium Falcon does yeah. not help. Kay <laughs> Kayla Detmer Which... as an excellent Han Solo, though. I, yeah, oh, I was so just I, that was in my that's in my notes is that I would love. <laughs> I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, but I would love to see a crossover with Detmer and yeah. Oh my god, that would be a light. <laughs> and that would be oh. a great screensaver, by the way, is Kayla Detmer just making passes on an enemy vessel back and forth. All yes! time. Like, oh, oh. And just like carrying on a conversation like this the entire time. You're a great co-pilot. Just pet the cat and sit. <laughs> While hours on Literally YouTube. Me. Just one of those continuous loops of her making passes. Yeah. And honestly, and it just felt so good to see that actor smiling. Yeah, you know, they've really uh, kind of taken this... the joy out of her life, and uh, you know she's been working on it. Her friends have stuck with her, and here we are, and we, she's finally like, you know, she goes manual, right? Like, yeah, wow, oh, was just like, yeah, <laughs> oh, so awesome. Uh, and uh, I just want want to shout out a little uh, nifty trivia that she like when she goes full manual uh mm -hmm. the last person and the only other time that this has really happened is when Riker flew the Enterprise in Star Trek Insurrection so of course Frakes was like let's give you I don't know a little trick <laughs> these things called joysticks <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm familiar with kid <laughs> Denver so, is going to be one of the like famous Trek pilots, you know, like we had Tom Paris, but like we love She's Denver. way better than yeah, Tom yeah. Paris. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, it's also what I appreciate about the way Discovery is shot is you get some energy from there being a pilot. Like the good pilots in the past is just like, well, they're pressing buttons more forcefully. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's no, more about this. the production yeah. quality of it is like, oh, wow, the camera's moving. There's I can't stop moving. thinking about the moment, I think maybe last episode or the episode before, and she just has to pull herself together. And the can't like you go into slow motion and she like cracks her knuckles and then goes like yeah. the, the, direction and editing of that is like it's so good and it's helping build i think our love of this character um because she's so dynamic 
Oh yeah, they have done such a great job with Emily Coots this season, who went from, I think, maybe having five lines in all of season one and two, and now she has five lines per episode, which means she is making bank. Once you get more than five lines in an episode, you move up a pay scale. So good job, Emily. (laughs) They've got to do that for more of these characters. There's so many characters, and then they always have to have a scene where they're all like giving each other side eye on the bridge while watching someone talk, which I would love to see a super cut of. Let me just Put that out and just like, <laughs> someone has made a supercut. Oh, the Discovery Brew Grid, just characters. like side eye, yes. side eye, side eye, side just eye. Reese and Bryce going, yes. Just yeah. like five minutes of just them looking at each other across the bridge. I would love to see it. Just oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm here for this. Uh, I, I charge someone to make that for us. <laughs> uh, I, and I also want to take bets on who the next bridge crew member is to get screen time. And if it isn't uh, a, a Wosikan, oh, like yeah. getting a love story with Detmer, then I don't know if I believe in this show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can have strong relationships that aren't sexual shame. <laughs> uh, oh, for sure. But I mean, they're clearly in a relationship, right? Did we? I, I, I mean, I part of me hopes so, but I also just like love them as like, you know, okay, strong yeah. supporters of each other. Okay. I, I'll, I'll take either. I'll take either. <laughs> yeah. I just really want this for them. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to place my it. bet. Uh, can I place my bet? Yeah, but hmm. the only problem is I need to remember their name. Um, so it's it's and there's we're going to talk about this more fully when it does happen. But there is uh, the lieutenant. Who's Lieutenant uh, Nilsen. Nilsen. Nilsen? Thank you, uh, actress Sarah Midich. Uh, mm-hmm. They have an interesting build up going, and it's partially because that actress was um, actually swapped in. So they used to play the android. And have Arium. now been swapped in for Arium. So now what's going to happen is, for some reason, they really like the actress, and they're just going to... Uh, that's my bet. So I'm going to put it in for Lieutenant Nilsson is going to be the next one to simultaneously get more than five lines of dialogue and also die. Is that the bet? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, she's not going to die. She's going to be uh, the first officer. Okay. perfect. first officer. I know Tilly. Yeah, I protect Tilly with my life. I love Tilly. <laughs> Hmm. Anyone yeah. who has a mean thing to say about Tilly can go to hell. I just—you are coming for me and my family if you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right, that's right. But Tilly is just the acting first officer. And she Wait, but she's so good at it. Oh, can we talk about this acting. whole like? I, I, this is just a, <laughs> totally. This not even really the plot, but Saru's whole figuring out what oh, he's going to say instead of engage uh, or hit it like execute. manifest. What the execute. <laughs> Uh, I read somewhere that this is clearly like a room full of engineers trying to come up with a catchphrase. And I that. So that is so true. I put in, I watched it. That was our favorite part of the episode. I mean, no, okay, we, we're skipping talking about the plot because the plot was like, okay, it was a good plot. It was an okay plot. There were plot. shooting. There were, they were. I have something to say about the main oh. plot, but I. I've uh, been waiting for so long. No, no, the, the catchphrase, the catchphrase though, I, uh, my vote is I saw a comment in the. Uh, Star Trek Reddit discussion thread, uh, and I think that the commenter was absolutely correct. I think the catchphrase is, is going to be "proceed." Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mary Saru, kind of passive, but also oh, demonstrates trust yeah. in his crew. Yeah. I wrote down that I thought it was going to be something like "cooperate." <laughs> 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 my, my partner said said uh, let's uh, begin. Just just a just a quiet stoic mm. begin. 
That would be good. But proceed. Yeah. Pro- that is say. proceed. I, I yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's yeah. all about starting a journey. It's not about killing anything like execute. So I don't know. Execute. <laughs> Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Twitter what you think. <laughs> I'm still uh, stuck on manifest because it's just so weird. So dorky. I love it. <laughs> it's kind of like a proceed, like you're manifesting yeah. a good solution. It just makes me think of manifest destiny, which is not really mm. the right. It's not the right vibe for Saru at the very Certainly least. Certainly not. Uh, no. <laughs> and you hear Adam Sandler when you hear proceed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hear i hear him like you may proceed just yeah. proceed. No. uh so the plot um yeah. the plot, the main <laughs> plot. i want to say that uh there is uh it's almost a uh reference to trans life as well is book returning home uh with a different name Oh yeah, um, I wrote and, this down too. Good eye. And like the struggle in that familial relationship there, um, you know, obviously I think he discusses in the in the first episode that he's very different than everybody else from his planet um, because he is a conservationist and ecologist and they are not. Um, mm. So it was interesting to see uh, that get reconciled. And, and again, in a very... This is classic Star Trek episode of the week. Like mm-hmm. we have an environmental disaster. It's the the Pretty flagship comes in and it. saves it. Yeah. And and we get at the end, uh, Book is drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, there's probably a better reference out there for that. But like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he's decided that uh, he sees value in what um, Discovery is doing. But on the flip side, we also get a lot of moments where people display their mistrust in the in the Federation. So we don't, we think we still have some like missing pieces about why, uh, maybe not just the burn that everybody has uh, turned their back on the Federation. Yeah, I feel like, uh, well, first of all, I feel almost betrayed at how I thought this season was going to go, which truly felt like they were setting up uh, Michael's growing estrangement from Starfleet. Uh, And it's turned into how uh, Michael is actually reforming Starfleet and bringing people back in instead of, you know, shunning them, which, you know, I suppose in the world we live in, that's the message that I want to hear. But I was really invested in the idea of Michael being like, no, no more Starfleet, we can do better. Uh, So this is a total turnaround in tone uh, from season one of this year, But, but it narratively makes sense it's been working towards this all year uh and i think next week we finally get some answers as to uh well we definitely get answers as to the source of the burn we know that it involves a federation ship and they are in the middle of a nebula i have a feeling the secrets are going to come out can i just say my favorite part of the plot like just from a dry like moving the story along was that the uh the chain the emerald chain is running out of dilithium they just dropped that in i thought that was actually everything else i'm not i wasn't a huge fan of this plot it was okay but that was actually one where i was like oh cool go on they're running out of what because it like (laughs) described all these motivations to why they're maybe running such such a cutthroat operation and why they're so scarce i thought that was good and it also provided rin with some motivation he's the only person who knows that's a really good back like that that puts some oomph behind his character which i wasn't really understanding until that moment so i'm looking forward to seeing how that resolves uh i find i i have a feeling that might be a retcon even 
Mm. Well, so the actor who plays Rin is famously uh, Tilly's real life husband. Uh, And I have a feeling that someone showed up on set for one episode and they were like, (laughs) you did a great job. Uh, Maybe you should come back for another couple episodes this season. And they found a way to make this happen. Um, (laughs) Maybe. I mean, there was, I did get some pleasure out of watching the two of them in their full makeup, sitting at the table, having a conversation. (laughs) About other people. Yeah, I I, I dug that scene. (laughs) Uh, Give the... You will give our captain the respect he's des- he's he's earned. That was a great line. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Really, really showing your chops <laughs> from Tilly too. Yeah. That was awesome. She's, she's really taken on this uh, first officer role like head on. She is not playing around. It was like yeah. Principal Tilly was in, in the class. You know, like, <laughs> Tilly. No. From Captain Try- Tilly to Principal Try- Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this episode, I I think, features, like, really positive Black role models on TV. Uh, Book and Burnham are, like, decidedly scientists and explorers and conservationists, uh, and they are in what is turning out to be a really loving, supportive relationship. Uh, and I just really love, le- love that. There's, there is still no conflict for them. They are still in harmony. Uh, and it's, yeah, a beautiful sight to see on still one of my favorite TV shows. So just wanted to point that out one more time. I, and I think uh, the uh, actor who played Book's brother, um, A, did a wonderful job. Yes, um, great job. But B, you know, the casting, like, that's what people's families look like. You know, they didn't have to have the exact same skin tone or mm-hmm. like nose structure or whatever. Um, you know, you could tell that they had, uh, because the actors had great chemistry, you could tell that there was this familial relationship. And I don't think we see a lot of that um, yeah. on TV. You know, like when people's parents show up, they always look just like them, except. Yeah. Well, they You're... did say at the beginning that um, brother means something else on. Oh. yeah there was, there was is... a little inner like with michael she's like oh you didn't say you had a brother or he doesn't look like you or something and he was like oh yeah it means something else on my yeah it, it was kind of like um it's more i think they were alluding to it's more of a chosen thing and i think this goes right back to your point earlier on that uh book's story in this episode in particular is kind of actually tied into the coming out identity uh and so for uh Book's family to be a chosen family of sorts just kind of wraps everything about this episode into mm. a nice little ribbon for me. Uh, we've already talked for, you know, nearly half an hour about this episode <laughs> and there is, and we barely scratch the surface. Uh, but I think we should take a really short break and we will be right back with our direct action and uh, our What the Trek segment. So we'll be right back. Every week, we pick a different organization that makes a positive impact in their community, and we make a donation to them as part of our commitment to reconciliation. Last week, we supported Glad Day Bookshop here in Toronto. Uh, Ron, who are we focusing on today? So, uh, listeners, we're recording this on uh, December the 6th, which is the National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. Uh, it's the anniversary, 31st anniversary this year of a uh, massacre of engineering students at Cole Polytechnique, and uh, they were all murdered for being women. 
uh, and being smart women at that. <laughs> um, so in remembrance of them and in our continuing commitment to, uh, you know, actually being the change that we want to see. This week, we are supporting uh, Nextdoor Solutions to uh, Domestic Violence. Their mission is to end domestic violence in the moment and for all time, uh, which is a huge mission statement. Uh, their vision is to reduce domestic violence through comprehensive and quality services, unwavering survivor-defined advocacy, and collaborative strategic initiatives that target individuals, relationships, and community norms, uh, uh, as well as societal attitudes. So everybody can uh, please join us, go online to www.nextdoorsolutions.org slash give. We encourage all of our Terran, tuned in Terran listeners to engage with this cause, donate what you can and help in their fight for peace, justice, and equity. Thank you, Thank you so much, Ron. Ron. And yeah, it's uh, an important day here in Canada, and uh, I feel like it should be not, it should be something that we talk about more, not just on one specific day. But I want to move on uh, because uh, we ask our guest panelists every week uh, one question, and I think it's important, and that is what the trek? <laughs> uh, Emily, what about this week's episode? Uh, the series or hell, even the whole Star Trek franchise oh, makes you ask, what the Trek? Oh, well, so many things. Um, <laughs> I would say just, just given how overstuffed this episode and there's just so many characters, so many plot lines, so many things going on and I'm intrigued by 75% of them. I want to know why we're not getting more short treks, please. <gasps> Oh, Why are we not getting more question. short tracks? <laughs> give me, give me stories about Quajon. Give me stories about Book and Burnham's Year of Courier Adventures. Give me stories about oh. Adira and Gray. Yes. yes. Give me more. I want more stories. Just break them off. Give me a short story, please, for the love of God. Paramount <laughs> Studios. Kenneth Lynn. More. Kenneth Lynn, the writer of this episode, wrote, uh, oh my God, the, the girl who made the stars short Ooh. trek. Uh, so this, oh. this is a crossover. <laughs> and we need more of those stories. You are yeah. so right. Is I it pandemic production that is causing this lack? Probably, although probably I think they're, they they're already filmed filming. They like a year and a half ago. Yeah, they're mm. filming stuff. They do closed sets, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I guess it's possible that when they would have filmed it would have been in in between the last season and this season. But oh come on guys, get it together. You have the sets. I'm yeah. and there are so few less there are so much fewer people in those episodes in those short treks that it must be a breeze. I'm not saying it's super easy. I'm just gonna take else. everything I said back. Don't put yourselves in in danger for our entertainment. <laughs> yes. Take COVID-19 <laughs> seriously. Stay indoors and wear a mask. But Star Trek, if you're already filming, give us a goddamn short trek so we have yes. something to look forward to in between. <laughs> <laughs> DM us on on Twitter. I'll be willing to throw it together an iMovie. Just just for a minute. <laughs> I could take a few hours. I would love a short trek uh, that uh, has Starfleet operating under pandemic operations. Uh, you know, we've ha we've had a couple of really good um, you know pathogen episodes. Especially, I think Voyager did them really well. Mm -hmm. um, Voyager did some wild ones, like the yeah. macro. The macro virus. Yeah. <laughs> you had to shoot. Oh, so good, but you know, give, give me, give me Tilly in a mask. Give me yeah. Yeah. in a mask. It would be we'll cathartic be to have 
Starfleet with all this technology. Like they do breeze past like, oh, well, we'll just get the computer to take that out of the air. And don't worry, we filter for that in the transporter. <laughs> it would be really great to see an episode where Star Trek and all of their technology, uh, oh, sorry, the, the Starfleet is ground to a halt over something like, well, we can't be within, like that's what we're experiencing is mm. we have a lot of high tech stuff around and we can't be within six feet of each other. It's very interesting. <laughs> it would be cool to see that uh, where we are 1200 years in the future. Um, <laughs> that would be really fun. Uh, yeah. Would they have Starfleet issued masks? Would they have like little pips on the side? To indicate- probably just be something that just comes out of your communicator badge <laughs> at this point. Just be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they do with, you know, with like superhero costumes where they're just like, oh, it's a button on my wristwatch. And then mm-hmm. the Iron Man thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm growing yeah. a little tired of that though. That like everything is just like a cool, flashy thing. Like I'm kind of <laughs> missing somebody doing this or like, you know, doing yeah. something tactile or manual. It just <laughs> Twisting makes Twisting the screw in on the suit. <laughs> yeah, or Bookship, you know, reassembles and does all the stuff. It's like, it's great. It's great creating yeah. jobs in the VFX uh, industry, I guess. But <laughs> it's also sort of like, it kind of removes me from it if it's everywhere. It's it maybe. I do miss the physical models. Remember yeah. how good the Enterprise D looked on screen because it was right. actually like something you could like touch in real life. Yeah. 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 I was watching like a half hour documentary on YouTube about how they filmed the Enterprise. Oh, like, oh yeah. Oh, fun. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the word is gratuitous. Like I love these things as they move the plot along. And I guess like, I feel like the VFX are just starting to overtake it for no reason. There's no real, it doesn't really advance it. And so that's just a little a bit, a bittersweet part of this whole series. It's a wonderful series, but I wish they would just kind of keep to the basics and, and, and not just, I mean, what are they going to do when they transport 900 years into the future? Like, what next thing? are? <laughs> where, where are the challenges? Where's the adversity? I'm, well, they have no dilithium, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> it, it is It is weird that, you know, they are, the, there's this, like, dichotomy going on where, yes, they have this amazing technology, but they're still living in a time of scarcity and, mm-hmm. like, and struggle and i think ravi i i hope that they do give us an episode where they're just like trapped on the planet's surface and have to make do with what they have especially now that they're getting so used to all of their fun new tools yeah or worse um starfleet is ground to a halt because there's a world there's a universal shortage of lens flare that would be (laughs) it they would not be able to do anything (laughs) we cannot do it captain Uh, Emily, was there anything else this episode that made you ask what the trek? Really, I just still want to know what the fuck a transworm is. I still don't <laughs> really there understand. Is, I'm, I'm wondering, like, why the are trek. they so significant? Yeah, what is why, the... they, just, they just have them to eat people, but they're like gentle creatures. I don't, I, I don't understand what the fuck is up with transworms. They're <laughs> kind of cool, but like, why? They feel uh, like well, um, yeah. the Rancor in, yeah. uh, yes! in Return of the Jedi, yes! like just something that a crime syndicate must have on hand to take care of uh, dissidents. But, <laughs> and but why? Would... They could just airlock them. No, or transport them out to space. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, any number of, just shoot them with one of the many phases they have. <laughs> And as evidence they haven't been stewarding Book's character well, I completely forgot that he was telepathic and could speak to animals. Like, I just, yeah. like, they just uh-huh. dropped that. Uh, and I was not like, telepathic. it happened. No, he's <laughs> empathic. Thank you very me. much. So I, I, I kind of went, at the beginning of this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So a little bit of a knock against the writers for just, like, putting that as, like, a dormant plot line. They were just, oh, okay, sure. Look, I'm gonna... They just started so many threads that's just, like... <laughs> They'll be like, oh, this is relevant now, and I'll bring it back. But yeah. it's like, 
it's I just- will say the writing in this episode isn't quite the caliber that we saw in last week's episode. <laughs> oh, but last uh, week was like what how an do you, episode. Oh how my do god. You, yeah, it's hard to top what they did in Unification Three. Uh, but mean, uh, like, there's a I lot was of sobbing. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it was emotional. It was a oh, ride. God. We loved <laughs> Unification Three. Uh, and this was a nice like dessert. The empty calories. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking uh, of calories, I wonder what uh, Linus's skin tastes like. Uh, oh, okay. that was that's disgusting. Oh. <laughs> I am loving Linus as the like D plot in every episode. <laughs> yes, kind of, oh, like bumbling around in the background. Yes. <laughs> this episode, I almost liked every part of it, but the episode, like all of the different things that they did. Like that was such a fun thing, or the you know, execute and all. Like there was so yeah. much kitsch in this episode that I liked. But I kind of didn't like the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of with you there. I, I yeah. yeah, I think, okay, first of all, they picked the right director. Jonathan Frakes is oh, yeah. great at taking a story that is mainly about avoiding conflict uh, and working towards the greater good and interpersonal dynamics, something that in The Next Generation would have been a very boring episode where it's just like, Picard and Riker standing on the bridge like discussing what they're going to do next on the view screen and then they cut to the view screen and then they cut back to Picard and Riker and then we see the outside of the ship and no one ever actually fires a single single weapon they Frakes makes this interesting he makes he makes high stakes out of something that could have been you know pretty drab uh so good job Jonathan you you I wasn't every time from beginning to end, you know, like we, we obviously found a lot to love in the episode as a package, you know, maybe, maybe not, but maybe this is the short treks. Maybe this was actually just like several short treks together. Yeah. That's how they're doing this. And you're listening to this episode. We would really love you as a guest. Reach out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, yeah, I have to try. (laughs) Have I ever said on this podcast how I met him once? I don't think so. No. <laughs> and while you tell the story, can you bust out your uh, your card again? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my day job, I work retail, uh, and I I sell booze. Uh, and uh, on the day that I found out I got a promotion, my very last customer walks in and asks for a buttery chardonnay, and <laughs> and I look around and I see this no! face. <laughs> when was this? Uh, this was You're like I will help you find the butteriest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was like two years ago, uh, oh and God. and I've already distorted it. For, I saw him and I was like, "Hi, is there anything I could help you with?" And he's like, "No, no, no I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine." And then <laughs> I, and then I walked away, but like I'm just around the corner, like staring, pulling <laughs> bottles Arranging. forward on the shelf, and and uh, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill myself. I hate myself already." And I walk back up to him. I'm like, "I just want to say that I am such a huge fan." And, oh, like, no. oh, and he's like. Like, all right, well, you can help me find a buttery Chardonnay. Oh, <laughs> well played, Jonathan. Well played. I can't believe I never knew that. Oh. Why is this, this is like That's episode amazing. eight or nine of this podcast. Well, this I had to save something, guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so great. So shout out to Jonathan Frakes. Come on my podcast. <laughs> we can offer, uh, as compensation for him coming on board, um, 
a buttery Chardonnay. You could find a yet an even better buttery Chardonnay. Thanks, <laughs> Ideal, if you're out there, my friend. Join us. <laughs> well, I, is there anything else we missed about this episode? I have a ton of notes, but I don't know how relevant they are. <laughs> Looking at my notes, what else did I have? I don't even know. <laughs> so much. I have so much about finding a catchphrase and dressing like humans for Matazoa. (laughs) Yes. Their planet, they did that thing that I don't like where they're like, we're suffering and it's gorgeous and everyone's living (laughs) like, like, please, 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 writers, stop. If you're talking about like adversity, please portray like grunginess in your sci-fi right. universe it's not here's my place yeah. of glass modern you know bc it felt like it was in bc it's probably even even <laughs> when they show them solving the problem like the problem is such a small percentage of the planet like yeah. it is just a blip in the context of the entire world it's yeah. like well clearly this is only affecting like you know maybe one province uh yeah. this seems like an internal problem guys <laughs> and they're locusts and they're just like these beautiful little oh. blue glowing things just like i wrote what a gorgeous plague yeah. <laughs> i mean and all they have to do is just like gently ask them to go back to sea yeah. like i i have this blue flower theory from like oh, yeah. the, i haven't quite found every blue flower in every episode but um when we first started this podcast emily we watched mm. uh the cage as our uh pilot and we um noticed in the first episode of this season that blue singing flower kind of makes a reappearance and then there kind of are blue flowers somewhere in every planet and we got it again oh it doesn't mean anything no i think it's just i want that to be a thing and maybe it is a thing because there's also the weird thing with the song that everyone even talk about the song that everybody knows and they don't know why is somehow related to the burn and they don't know i'm like i'm intrigued by the song somehow related um, to it the towel symbiote yeah. oh yeah there's a there's oh, so much going yeah. on yeah well i i did enjoy that we got like you know we get another representation of like trek people who are really into performing classical music <laughs> yes that yeah. was delightful <laughs> and performing together you and know they're going to be better together. than data like yeah. i mean <laughs> data was great but it was so oh, yeah. yeah wasn't this episode I'm misremembering this. They totally revealed that there's a starship in the middle of a star. Yes, with the yes, yeah. yes. How did yeah. I miss that? Yeah. There's they so said much in this episode. In ne- Wait, was that the, in the episode? In the middle of a, in a nebula. It's in the middle of a nebula. It's in the middle of a nebula. Yeah. We so find out at the very end of, a, of this episode, uh, along with all, all of the details, they were just like, just okay, let's end our conversation with each of us making a prediction of who is in the nebula. Okay. Oh. Okay, I gotta think about this for a moment. Oh. Uh, okay, I'll. I mean, we know it's a Federation ship, and I really want this season to somehow tie back in once again to that short trek episode Calypso. I want oh. them to discover the discovery. <laughs> oh, okay, you're going discovery. Yeah. I'm kind of feeling like maybe it is somehow related to like the mirror universe because there was that one little thing in the beginning where they said mm. the mirror universe was like going farther, farther away, oh. and Giorgio is a mess. So maybe it's something in the mirror universe in the mm. nebula. I like that. I like that too. Yeah. Captain Killy. Just <laughs> Captain Killy. Yes. 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 Captain Killy. Killy. <laughs> this is a hard one. That's a good question. Who's going to be out there? I'm going to say. I just. Uh, I... Oh, go ahead. Go. Cool. 
I'm just gonna say I don't think they're. I think they're gonna write a new plot line, and I don't mm. think that they're gonna do a, a, a recall. It's an easy answer, mm. but I kind of. But that's because I kind of want them to. I don't want another freaking fan service to our own season. Bring out something new. Do it, writers. I challenge me. <laughs> they can bring I, something new, but they've already brought like we we have too many plots to follow already. Oh man. Uh, so I don't know about that. The thing that I want to see, and I know it won't happen, but I want it to be Lorca. Oh, yeah, I want it to be. Can I switch my answer? That'd be awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we never found out can. where is this guy. Well, I thought he was like cut in half, right? The the OG good Lorca. The OG good Lorca oh, was good, killed, yeah. I think, and witnessed us killed, and then the bad Lorca came, and of course he fell into a star or whatever that oh, was. I thought that we never quite <laughs> saw good Lorca's death. But that's that's just a triviality for these writers. These writers just, there'll be a third mirror universe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where everybody's a mix of good and bad. <laughs> Isn't that this one? <laughs> yeah. You've seen, oh, yeah. yeah. You've seen the theory that, that the that the mirror universe is actually our universe and oh. that, like that, that that, that, uh, <laughs> oh my god i can't remember but that, like that the mirror universe is us and so on because first we don't contact because day, we don't we get we don't alien, get first yeah. we don't get the events of first contact so we don't actually have a good relationship with the vulcan so we become oh. the evil terrans mm. um which you know as an american is really <laughs> sounds about right yeah. um <laughs> wait a second wait a second there's a the, if, if star trek prime is the half good half bad just based mm -hmm. on our comment earlier and then we got mirror universe where it's like captain killy yes is there a universe where everybody's really good that would be interesting like even nicer than the federation everyone's like ethereal and just happy yeah. and beautiful all the time isn't that the universe that, be... that tng is set in i think so <laughs> it would be yeah. fun it would be fun if they just dialed it up yeah i'm switching my answer to captain Lorca. that's the moral of the story awesome. <laughs> i like it <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, this was an interesting episode. I'm glad <laughs> we talked so much about one tenth of the episode. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's great. <laughs> well, thank you once again to our special guest, Emily. Uh, Emily, do you want people to find you on social media? How can people find you? Uh, you can find me if you don't want to yell at me. Um, I'm <laughs> Pretty much literally only on Twitter at this point at Emily Loves Kale. Because awesome. I, I like Kale, the veteran. <laughs> For all your Kale California! Um. <laughs> well, we are at Shane Came Back, at Ravi Yijoshi, at Ron Sly, and you can follow us on Twitter at Worse Than Borg and on Instagram at Worse Than The Borg. Email us at worsetheborg at gmail.com. And please remember to subscribe and rate us five stars. As always, thank you so much for listening. We've been Worse Than The Borg, and you have been assimilated into our collective. But resistance is never futile. Cooperate! Cooperate! <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>